Lord, help. Amen. Lord, help. I want to read this uh, out of Romans 8. I want to read verse 15 through 17. I'm going to read these couple of verses from, from the Message Bible. And the reason I'm reading, reading them from the Message Bible is because they're so, uh, it says it so powerfully. And, you know, God, I had this amazing encounter with the Lord a few years ago uh, around these verses that really totally impacted my life in an in a awesome, wonderful way. Um, and it's about, uh, it's about taking back your future. Because um, the devil wants to steal your future. Okay, he really does. Um, and so, a few years ago, I really went. We went. We all went through a real terrible season in this church, and uh, it's it's like it went on and on and on. And you know, once it was all over with, you know, there's a there's a time for grief, right? When you lose things, when you lose a person, somebody you love, or or with just anything in your life happens that that's tragic to you, and where there's loss in your life, you have to you have to grieve uh, because if you don't, inwardly you're grieving, and eventually it's going to start popping out on you. As much as you're, you may be good at suppressing things, but you can't ultimately can't su- uh, suppress grief because it's uh, pain has a voice. Pain has a voice, and it has to. That voice has has to be released to to be healed. But also, having said that, you can you can go f- beyond healthy grieving. Okay, you, you can stay in grief too long. And a lot of I've, I know I've known a lot of people who have been trapped. In their grief, uh, they may not call it grief, but their life was trapped. They 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 couldn't go on beyond their losses, and they were just living, you know, every day, just going through life one, you know, as a day, as a day, as a day, and there was no real hope in their hearts. There was really no real thought about the future. Am, am I making sense here? Well, I am for a couple of people, at least Jenny, right? So I'm just telling you, that's sort of where I found myself um, unknowingly. I didn't realize that I had, I had had this thought in my mind that the, the best of my life was behind me. You ever, you ever thought that? I started believing that. And when you start believing something like that, it begins to it'll get a hold of your heart. Um, and you know, I went, when you're, when you're in a place like that, a lot of, you know, you have a lot of questions about yourself, at least I did. Um, and a lot of my, you know, I felt like a failure. I felt like I let people down. I mean, there was just many feelings that I had to wrestle with in my life, um, that were really difficult, to, to wrestle with, and and I kept going through this prayer with the Lord. I think I may have shared some of this over and over. I would drift into this prayer, telling the Lord, "I'm so sorry, Lord." That's how that prayer would begin in my life. And you know, I don't know how many times I prayed that, but one time, one night, I was praying it, and and it was like God wanted to answer me. He wasn't necessarily to answer my prayer. But he wanted to have. He had an answer for me. And his answer was he wanted to get me out of where I was at because my life, in, in a lot of ways, outwardly, I was going on, but inwardly I wasn't. And he wanted to release me from where I was at and, and bring me into to the future and hope that he has for me. And see, I think um, when I look at uh, a lot of people today, uh, I feel like we're like that. A lot of people are like that. A lot of people, their plans have been dashed. What they thought their future was is suddenly in question. What they thought was stable, what, what they thought was sure, what, 
those things suddenly have become questionable. I've been blessed to go to a lot of countries in my life, and and every country is full of amazing people that love the Lord and that are on fire for God, and God uses them powerfully, but every country doesn't have great government. And you can see how a government full of beautiful, amazing, powerful people can absolutely destroy those people and suppress those people and hinder those people. And we've been blessed in the United States, at least we had the illusion that we had good government. We had that illusion in our mind for many years. But working behind the scene, like they're working behind the scenes of every government on the face of the earth, there's an evil. There's a, there's a, the prince of the power of the air is working because he knows that he can get to the people through what the government does. And I'm not, this, this is not a political message, okay? I don't have a need for political. What I do have a need for is to see God's answer even when we find out that our wonderful government, and I think we have a great form of government uh, on, in our country as far as forms of government in the earth realm. In, it's a good one. It's better than most. It's not the best. Jesus has the best. Okay? And that's our ultimate government. But as far as the governance of man, we have a great form of government. We really do. But it's only going to be great to the point that great men and women are the ones governing. And, and it, the, the writers of the Constitution even said that this will not work if people are not basically believers. They basically said that our, this form of government will ultimately fail if the people running the country are not following the, at least following the principles and teachings of the Bible. And so we're like sort of in a national time where a lot of our dreams about our own personal dreams and the way our tomorrow is going to look is suddenly being brought into question. What the church is going to look like tomorrow is questionable. We don't know. Uh, my hope is, is that we'll be different and that we'll come out of this time more powerful. And I believe we will, but I don't know that we'll be the same that we were. And I don't know that we'll even look the same that we, the way we looked. I don't have any clue what that may be, which is a challenging, is challenging to me personally, you know, since I'm a church man. <laughs> it's hard. That's a hard thing for me. Um, but... You know, God has an answer for us. And like he had an answer for me that night about my own personal state that I was in, he, he really healed me in an instant. I mean, healed my heart where I could, I could go on with my life and where I could begin to, to go, begin to step into the things that God had ahead of me. Um, let me just read this verse to you. This is wonderful. Are y'all good this morning? I hope all that didn't sound, you know, I'm, I, let's just get real here, okay? Don't, aren't you wanting some reality in God? I mean, I don't want the other stuff. I just, I can't deal with it. I just really can't. I'm, I'm bad, I know. <laughs> the resurrection life you receive from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's adventurously expecting, greeting God with a childlike, what's next, Papa? And that's what the Lord spoke to me that night and revealed to me that night. Basically, that I had been living as a grave tender over my past, over what I believed, all the things that I lost, all the things, all the people I lost, all my dreams about the move of God, all my dreams about what I believe God had for me personally, and all the dreams I had about everything that I was doing in my life were in a grave and I had spent some time grieving over that grave. And I just stayed there. And I began to just tend to that grave. Do you understand what I'm trying to say to you? And God began to speak to me that that's what I was doing. And it was just eye-opening to me that I would actually do such a thing with my life. Because that went against every, everything that was in me. I didn't even realize I was doing it. That's why I was so miserable. 
because I had no expectancy. I had no expectations, really. My whole thing was just get through this in one piece. Get through it and don't mess up. And hope for the best. And hope something good will come out of, out of all of this. That was sort of where I was at. This thing goes on. It says, God's Spirit touches our spirits and confirms who we really are. We know who He is, and we know who we are, father and children. Isn't that beautiful? That's just powerful. See, that's the, powerful, that's the core revelation. That's the basic revelation that we have to have really to walk this thing out is we have to know who He is. We have to know who we are. We have to know the Father. We have to know Him as a Father. We have to know Him that we're like children. And I'll tell you something, y'all. I'm telling you right now, listen to this. If you want to get through this time in one piece, if you don't want to be ate up by politics, if you don't want to be ate up by, by the insanity in the world, become childlike. That's your answer is humility. Your answer is not having all the answers. Okay? Your answer is not having all the opinions. Who cares about your opinion? Who cares about my opinion? You know, who cares about my answers? Your answers. Those are not the answers for our nation. Those are not the answers for our nation. Our politicians don't have the answer. None of them do. I don't care which side you may land on. None of them have the answer. Jesus is the answer. Okay? And our job is to bring Jesus. That's our job. It is not to to do a bunch of this other crazy stuff that's going on. Now, that's what I really believe. And I believe the church hurts itself. Okay? I don't really want to talk about all that. That's not my purpose here. It's just, I, I just, listen, I, here's what, I'm going to tell you this. I am sick of seeing urgent prophetic word. Every day you're seeing urgent, like, if everything's urgent, nothing's urgent. Something's wrong when every day there's some prophet out there Claiming some urgency. Listen, we know we got problems. We know we're messed up. We need some answers, not somebody telling us how messed up we are. You know? We don't need some urgent thing. Aren't you tired of hearing about the latest uncovering of some evil? Uh, Maybe I'm just that. (laughs) Here's one thing I would suggest you do is limit your exposure to social media, to the news media, and to political stuff. Limit it. Just enough where you know how to pray. Oh, they got a new girl they're going to want to make a, a Supreme Court. We need to pray. That's, that's a good thing. But to sit around and beat things to death over and over, okay. I'm getting off my soapbox. Anyway, Jesus help us, right? And, we're no, and, and we know... I'm not doing the message here. I'm just not doing it. And we know we're going to get what's coming to us. That's father, child. We're going to get what's coming to us. An unbelievable inheritance. An unbelievable. And this was the, this was the thing that God revealed to me, that began to reveal to me that night, is that he had an inheritance for me. That he had something for me and he wanted to lead me into that something. And I spent the next two years of my life with not me, not me, but God, God initiating conversations with me about my future and about my inheritance in incredible ways. I mean, in all kinds of ways. I wasn't trying to... To have this ideal and this concept about my inheritance, God kept bugging me about it. Like, I want to, this is what I want to talk to you about, Byron, is your future and your inheritance. And I'm not talking about heaven right now, y'all, just to make, make it plain. I'm talking about the rest of my life and the inheritance that God wants me to walk in now. Because I believe we're to walk in our inheritance today. We're to walk in all the fullness of God. And when we walk into heaven, it'll be like Enoch. We just walk right in and continue the journey that we started here. Because heaven is for now. Jesus prayed that. Your will be done on, on earth as it is in heaven. He wants that for us today. And he wants us to begin to walk in that. Anyways, so I was getting excited about... My inheritance. I was getting excited about my life 
And then 2020 happened. And all of a sudden I'm thinking, what the heck happened, Lord? You've spent all this energy in me. You did this, God. You brought this up. I didn't bring it up. And now all of a sudden it's like the rug has got jerked out from my dreams. And, and what you were talking about, is it going to happen? I mean, can it be true? Can it be true? Let me just finish reading this next verse. We go through exactly what Christ goes through. If we go through the hard times with Him, then we were certainly going to go through the good times with Him. God has some, some good times for us. But it may, y'all, the good times may not necessarily include the United States of America that we used to know. It may not. We need to be willing to let that go. We, we really do. I'm sorry to say that. God's committed to His kingdom. That's what He's committed to. That's what He wants us to be committed to. Kingdom first, everything else second. I know a lot of people didn't like what I just said, but I you know what? I don't really care if you liked it or not. I'm serious. I don't care. We've got to stick to what the heart of God is. That's the most important thing. Everything else will sort out from there. Now, listen, I love this country. I really do. I love this country. I'm voting. I'm praying every day for our country. I'm praying all the time for our country, constantly. Because I do love it. I want this country to be healed and whole. And I'm praying that God will bring an awakening to to our country I'm praying he would stop the civil war that the devil has planned for our country. Because there is a civil war that the devil is trying to bring into our country. And I'm praying that God would stop that. And I believe we can stop it. I really do. I believe the church is the one that can stop it. So, oh, Lord help. Let me read this scripture to you. Well, I was going to ask if it's okay, but I'm not feeling that. You know, Marlon uh, sort of introduced this thought this morning. Uh, I'm glad he didn't mess it up. (laughs) But what he said was accurate. I'm going to tell you. He he said it's not about yesterday or tomorrow. It's about right now. And that's really important. I'm going to show you something. But I'll just go into here. There's a huge difference between your tomorrow and your future. They're not the same biblically. Let me just say this. Everybody in here, if you're alive, you have a tomorrow. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? If you're breathing, there's a tomorrow for you. But that doesn't mean you have the future that God has for you. It does not mean that. It is not guaranteed. All right, now let me read this. That was just a thought. We'll go back to that. I'm actually doing that for Marlon's sake, he, so he won't think I'm uh, taking down his 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 uh, word he gave because I thought it was a real good word. I'm going to read this verse here that's so well known; it's ridiculous. Um, but I want to before I read it, I want to kind of preface this: Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. Everybody knows that verse, right? Obviously, we do. One of the issue, one of the things that uh, you know these smart people who they there's people who actually know more than God now on the earth. I mean, they're telling God what He did wrong and why He shouldn't have done that. You know, I mean, there's literally people out there like that. That's what they think. It's like, oh, uh, you know. But there are some people out there that are really decent people that are highly intelligent and have the Spirit of God in them, and they're not trying to be smarter than God. They're just bringing up some thoughts. And one of the, the thoughts is this, is we have to be careful when we, about this, a verse like this because we sometimes forget the context of it. Okay? We don't ever talk about the context of Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. I don't think I've ever heard anybody preach on it. Okay? But I wanted just to read the verse to you just in case you forgot it. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, they are plans for good and not for disaster. Isn't that good? To give you a future and a hope. He didn't say, I'm going to give you a tomorrow. I'm going to give you a future and a hope. 
Okay? But here's the context of it. The context, you go read Jeremiah 29, the whole chapter. And the context is this. Israel was absolutely destroyed. The temple was destroyed. The people had been, Nebuchadnezzar had defeated them and drugged them in as slaves into Babylon. Marched them in there. And there they were. Their nation was destroyed. The temple of God was destroyed. They absolutely had no hope that they would ever get back home again. They didn't have a home. Their home was burned to the ground. That was, that was where this all happened. And you know what the Lord told them to do? And this is in Jeremiah 29. He said, this is what I want you to do. Jeremiah wrote a letter and sent it to the leaders in, in Babylon and said, this is, what, this is the word of the Lord for, for what you're to do. You are to build houses. You are to plant gardens. You are to marry. You're to have, you're to have children. You're to have grandchildren. You're to pray for the land you're in, for the, for the God's blessing on the land you're in, because you're going to be here for 70 years. That was the beginning of it. You're, gonna, you're stuck here for 70 years. So you need to make the best of it. Don't be diminished there. That's what Jeremiah told him. Don't be diminished. And that's a word for people right now. Where you're at right now. You can be diminished spiritually right now. If you let yourself. And you need to ask yourself today, am I being diminished spiritually because I am so caught up in something else or I am so disappointed or I'm so hurt or I'm so put out that I'm being... Listen, I've watched people for years be diminished spiritually. Many times it's because something happened in their life that they did not like. That God didn't do what He wanted them, that they had asked Him to do. Or God disappointed them. Or something in life, somebody hurt them. And now here they are, and over time they're diminished spiritually. Do you know what I'm talking about? Probably all of us know people like that. And so probably a lot of believers in the United States today are being diminished spiritually. Some are being diminished because their minds are in the wrong place. Their minds are on everything that's going on around. They're being consumed. They're full of anxiety. They're full of fear. They're full of hurt. They're full of anger at what's happening. Full of this thing. They want to go retaliate. Am I talking to anybody? I feel like I'm not. (laughs) And so what happens over time, we little by little become diminished spiritually. And so that's what God was telling these people. Don't be diminished. Grow. Prosper. Prosper where you're at. Prosper where you're at. And then he tells them this. And notice it didn't say, I know the plans I had for you. Had being past. He says, I know the plans I have. You see, no matter what your circumstances are, and no matter what the circumstances of your country is, or your family is, or your job situation, or your friend situation, God still has a plan in place for you. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you have absolutely committed sin against God. Because that's why they were there. They were there because they had sinned and wouldn't listen to the word of the Lord. And they wouldn't repent And they wouldn't change things when God asked them to change. They listened to false prophets instead of listening to the true prophets. Because they couldn't discern what was real, what was God, and what wasn't God. And when you're being diminished, you can't discern it. You can't discern God as you because you're pulling away from God. You're backing out of God. He's not backing out of you. You're backing out of Him. Are you okay? I'm not supposed to ask that question. I've been rebuked so many times for asking that question. I've had every kind of rebuke there is. I'm serious. I have been fussed out by every, every good person and every bad person. He's like, stop doing that. What's wrong with you? We're fine. Well, I know you're fine. I'm not fine. That's the problem. I got to get done here. I have spent so much time doing this that it's ridiculous. Okay. So God has something for you. Today, you you may have said, I've made the biggest mess of my life. 
that I could have possibly made. I, I've just destroyed everything. I've destroyed marriage. I've destroyed family. I, I did this. You know, it doesn't matter. God still has a plan for you. You've got to believe that. You've got to trust that. At any point in your life, no matter where you're at, you can step back into His plans for you. And He says, I, this plan does not include disaster. God did not plan for us as for us to experience COVID. That was not God's plan. God's plan is not for economic disaster. God's not plan is not for, for a wife to lose a husband in a young age. None of those are God's plans. But God's plans are so great that He can absorb all this tragedy and all this love. He can absorb it and your, His plans for you will still succeed. Because He absorbs that Himself. He, he absorbs the pain of the world. Because he says, I have plans. And no matter what happens, they can't stop the plans of the Lord. Now listen, God's plans are not set in concrete. That's the thing. They're not like, here's the plan. One, two, three, four, five. Just do Nothing, nowhere near like that in the Bible anywhere. His plans are this. I have plans. He says it right here. To give you a future and a hope. And guess what? You get to participate with him in what that future and hope looks like. America gets to participate with God right now. And decide how this thing's going to go. Mainly the church. We get to decide. Listen, we have a voice. We have a voice in heaven. Some of us may have voices in the political realm. And I'll tell you something. On November the 3rd, you can go exercise your voice and go down there and pull the lever to what you believe is the right thing. That's a voice. Use your voice. But use it in heaven. Use it in your own life. Use your... You know, the reason... I was saying that about the falling down thing. A few minutes ago, I said it was a semi-word of knowledge. Because uh, I fell. Uh, I was working. I'm going to tell you about falling. Um, I fell. I was working in the yard and I washed my mower really good after I worked in the yard and I put it back in the garage and I had Crocs on. And I got off my thing, off the mower, jumped down off of it. It's a riding mower. And my feet hit the floor and they shot out from under me. And I caught myself with both hands like that, and it hurt so bad. Pain just shot up, and I already was suffering with a hurt elbow from something ridiculous that I did on the golf course. Never mind. (laughs) (laughs) And I just, but you know what I did? I jumped up right then like, no, I am not going to be hurt. I just said, in the name of Jesus, no, devil, you are not going to take me down. and I called Becky and told her not to get sympathy, but to get her to agree with me. That I'm not, I'm not taking this. You hear what I'm saying? We got to start standing up to some things. We got to start standing up. And you'll stand up in heaven. You can stand up on earth. If you'll stand up before the Lord and before His throne and begin to believe what the Bible says and begin to declare that. Because I, I tell you what, I could have been real hurt. I mean, real hurt. I had this pain shooting all over my body. I thought, oh, Lord, help. And I was a little bit sore the next day. A little bit, not much. I should have been, like, in agony. So that's my story about falling. That's why I want to be careful. You know, let's make sure we take care of old people. I'm serious. Old people fall down and get hurt. And when you get older, you know, when you fall it can be a lot more damaging to you than when you're 12. Amen. So, people lose their... People lose their... i got to stop. People lose their sense of hope because they don't think they have a future. That's, that's why people start losing their sense of hope. They don't see a future all of a sudden. That's the way I was back... I just didn't see my future no more. I didn't see it. 
And you see, here's the thing about hope. Hope is connected to future. Hope's in the future. Hope's not here now. Your hope is always in the future. It's always connected with the future. So if you're going to really be a person of hope, you have to be a person that believes in a future, that there's a future there for you. It's not a bad, not a tomorrow. Not a tomorrow. See, I had many tomorrows for a few years. Many tomorrows of getting up and going through the day, just going through the day, trying to get through the day, trying to encourage myself, trying to believe something. That's not a future. That's not, that's not your future. That is not your future. You can choose that future, and you're just going to live in a, in a successions of tomorrows. Another tomorrow, another tomorrow, another tomorrow. Does that make sense? I hope it does. But here's the beautiful thing about, about hope. Hope's a gift, right? That's what the Bible teaches. 1 Timothy 1.1, 1, 1, that's what Paul told, told Timothy. You've been given a gift of hope. It's something God gives every person. So if God gives a gift of hope, He gives you the gift of a future. Because hope can't exist without the future. Faith in the present, hope's in the future. Okay? That's, that's how this deal works. Your faith operates in, the, in, the, in this moment. None of us are hoping about tomorrow, right? Are we? About yesterday. Is anybody hoping about yesterday? Oh, I hope yesterday turned out good. Oh, I really hope I didn't get hurt when I fell two days ago, three days ago. Nobody's doing that. You're hoping about something. I don't have any hope for this moment right now. My hope is for after this moment. You see, the the hope in the future that God's given us is meant to impact our present. Because here's the thing about tomorrow. So you can can have a tomorrow but be living in yesterday. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? You can have a tomorrow and be stuck in what was. And see, that was where I was at. I was stuck. And, and, and that's why Eugene Peterson used that word in, in the Message Bible. You're, you have a grave tending life. You're a caretaker over a grave. You're a caretaker over what was. There's no, you don't, you're not living beyond that grave. You see, if that's your present then all you really do have is a, a tomorrow if you stay alive. And see, I think that's where the church has been. We, we've got this, some, we got this hope for yesterday, which doesn't exist. So, praise the Lord. Let me read this one here. I wanted to, I've got to finish, y'all. Are y'all good? Is everybody happy? So, now let me, I want to go and read out of Philippians. So, listen to this about Philippians. If you were, if you're a smart Christian right now, you might need to read the book of Philippians. Because that book is very relevant to what we're, what's happening in, in our world right now. Now, here's the situation with Paul when he wrote. It's what they call a prison epistle. That's a really fancy name for a guy who wrote a letter to a, to uh, these Philippian people while he was in jail. Okay, but Paul wrote this when he wrote the letter, all his prison epistles, which are amazing, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Those are some of the most beautiful books in the New Testament. They're, they're wonderful. They're also, but they're all written while Paul was in prison. And listen, Paul's future was in question. When he wrote this, Paul didn't know if he was going to be released or if he was going to spend the rest of his life in prison or if he was going to get his head chopped off. He had no understanding of that, but he knew God had a future. And so he, when he wrote that letter, when he wrote this, if you go through the book of Philippians, there are so many keys to living out of the kingdom realm. So many. There's so many keys of dealing with practical situations on this earth. It's unreal. But this is the one I wanted to mention to you. It's Philippians 3. This is another well-known verse. He said, I don't, verse 12, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things. He was talking about this, this resurrection thing, this, you know, becoming everything that God had called him to be. Or that I've already reached perfection. 
But I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. So he's giving us a key. He's focusing on this one thing, languishing in jail. When he doesn't know if he's going to get out or they're going to come grab him and, you know, kill him. Or if he's just going to sit there forever. This is what he's saying. This is what you need to do. Focus on this one thing. Forgetting the past. Forgetting the past. Letting go of the past. And you see, that's... A grave represents the past. A grave represents what was. And, and that can be difficult if that grave is a grave of a loved one. I mean, I get that. I got, I got a, my mom and daddy's grave. I got a child's grave. I got a sister's grave. You know, I get all of that. I got lots of friends that I've stood over their grave and wonder, why are they dead? They shouldn't be dead. But there's a time when we have to move beyond that. And we can stand over the grave of what America was and what our dream about what we were going to be. We can stand over that grave for the rest of our life and tend to it and miss the future that God has for us. Is this too serious? If it, y'all looking at me serious. I'm going to get finished here. So he said, you got to forget the past and look forward to what is ahead. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize which God through Christ Jesus is calling, calling me, calling us. See, you can't change the past Right? You can't change it. The past is set. We, we can't. We really can't. But the future, our future is meant to, to help us see the past differently. That's, that's what the future, God's future is for, is to help you look at your past differently. And it's also to help you look at your present and determine how you're going to live your present. That's important, y'all. Let me just say that morning. I don't think y'all getting that. Y'all just sitting there blank staring at me. Here, you can't change the past, but if you have a future in God, that future can help you see that past differently. Okay? You have to see the future in God. and Well, whatever future you see, if you don't see a future, it's going to determine how you live right this minute. It's going to affect your choices. It's going to affect your decisions right now. If you see this future that God has or if you don't, it's like driving a car. You don't drive a car and look down the hood to the road right in front of it. Because if you do, guess what's going to happen? You're going to have a wreck. You drive a car by looking ahead and what's ahead, you begin to adjust in the moment. That's the way our Christian life is meant to be led. We're to look into the future that God has for us because He wants to let you begin to see it. And as you look in that future, you begin to walk your life based on what you're seeing in front of you. Does that make sense? That's how we walk in the Spirit. You, if you're not doing that, you're not walking in the Spirit, period. Because that's what He does. That's how we're meant to live our life. Y'all ain't getting this. I wish it, you're looking at me like he don't know what he's talking about. But you read the Bible. Jesus said, for the joy, what? Sit before me. He saw something in front of him. And based on what he saw, he made choices and decisions in that moment. You decide what your future is going to be. You start making choices with God and he will create a picture for you. He'll create a future for you. But if you don't do that, then you're just going to live in tomorrow. What's tomorrow bring? I got to get up in the morning and go to work. And I hope I make it through the day. And I hope I have a job the next day. Well, okay, yes, Lord, help. You know, the present is a womb or a tomb. How about that? It's a tomb if you're stuck in yesterday. It's a womb if you begin to see the future that God has for you. And you see, that was the beautiful thing for me 
that night when God revealed all this to me in that moment was I, my, I was living in this tomb. I didn't have a womb of God working in me. I didn't have this life working in me telling me your future is there. There's something for you. I'm not finished with you. And when you begin to believe that, it begins to impact you. So no matter what, I'm just here to tell you, no matter what, no matter who wins the election, let me put it like that, no matter who wins, if the worst person in your mind wins, you still have a future in God. And you can't begin in despair. You can't throw your hands up in the air. You can't quit living because... Yeah, the bad person got in, and now we have a bad president. And they're going to get us because they're hating us. And we know, we know eventually they're going to get us, right? Y'all know that, right? Y'all know eventually the government is going to put the squeeze on us. Y'all, I want y'all to know that. It's going to happen. I don't know when it's going to happen. Sooner or later, they're going to knock us out, they think. One of, the greatest churches, one of the greatest churches in the world is in Iran. This is what they're saying. One pastor said this, the greatest thing that ever happened to Iran is they overthrew the Shah back in the 70s and put the Alatoya in, the, the Islamic, because it caused the church to come alive. There is an underground church in Iran that's powerful and amazing. And they're sitting there saying, this is the best thing that ever happened to the church. Is we got oppressed. And all of a sudden, we came alive. And we're proud. And you know, the majority of pastors in Iran are women. Wow, that's not going to go over somewhere, right? Oh, y'all can't be pastors. Because you're a woman. Wow. <laughs> but you see what I'm saying? I'm not asking for that. But if you read the, if you read the Bible, you know, it's going to happen. Right? You know, y'all don't like that. I don't blame you. (laughs) Well, anyways, you know, I don't think I... Well, I guess what I'm trying to do is help us get our eyes off the present and get our eyes into the place they're supposed to be and begin to have this hope again and begin to believe that God... God has things for us. He doesn't have a disaster plan for us. Although disaster may happen. But he doesn't doesn't plan a disaster for you and I. He's got a future and a hope for you and I. That's what he has. And he wants us to believe that. And he he wants to heal us. He wants to heal us for all we've been through. In this nation in the last, this This year. He really wants to heal people and wash, wash them of, wash all this stuff off of them and get these burdens off our hearts. He really does. And get the despair out of people. That's what I really believe. Here's the thing. After I had that encounter with the Lord, I was going, I was with God going to the next adventure in life, okay? And for a few months, like, what is it? What is the adventure? What, am, what is God's hope? What is God's future for me? I was trying to figure it out. And I, I came to this place. It was like on a hiking trail where they have benches for old people. You ever seen these hiking trails? They have these benches for people who get wore out really easy. Like, well, we're going to put a bench here because I know that there's some old people doing this trail and you're going to be tired. In the spirit, I came to a place like that. And it was like the Lord said, here's what I want you to do, Byron. I want you to sit down here and find rest and quit trying to figure this thing out. Just go with me and trust me. And that was, a, that was like a watershed moment for me because... After that is when he began to start talking to me about the inheritance thing. He began to talk to me about it. He began to start def- defining things in my life, not me trying to define them. 
So I want you to stop trying to figure your future out, okay? Don't try to figure it out. Just trust Him that you have a future and a hope. And let Him just say, I want you to talk to me about it. I'm going to quit trying to have a future and a hope. I'm going to quit trying to know what your plan is. I'm going to let you reveal it to me. And I will begin to respond to you as you reveal it to me. Amen? Okay, y'all stand up. (laughs) Y'all are a tough crowd, man. I'm going to pray for you. (sighs) Wow. Lord, we need you. Jesus is our wisdom, is what the Bible says. And it also says he's our righteousness. Okay? Jesus is also our future. Jesus is our hope. He's our faith. He's our love. He's all those things. So when we say we need Jesus, we're telling the truth. Father, I just pray for every person this morning. If you feel in... If you're... All right, let's do it this. Let me do this. If you feel like you've sort of lost touch with your future, I want you to raise your hand. Everybody close your eyes. Raise your hand. See there? Okay, there's some people in here. That's good. Now, those who raise your hand, put your hand on your head. Okay? Put your hand on your head. Now, Father, I just thank you right now that you're going to release some thoughts. You're going to... What you're doing, listen, your mind, your thinking is like the doorway. It's like the door for revelation to come into your heart. And if you'll just allow, if what you're doing is saying to your mind, to your thoughts, open up. Jesus, it says Jesus opened their mind to understand the Scriptures. That's Luke 24, 45. He opened their mind. That's what we're asking the Lord to do for you right now, is open your mind. It may be Scriptures. It would be good if it is. Lord, open their mind to understand the Scriptures. Open their mind to begin to see something different and to begin to think different. That's what repentance is. It's thinking different. I want you to just allow the Holy Spirit right now to get a hold of your mind. Open your mind to begin to see something different, to see life different. God wants to elevate your thinking. He wants to, he wants to make you heavenly minded. That's what He wants. There's an old saying that He's so heavenly minded, He's no earthly good. That's not a true, true statement because a person who's truly heavenly minded will do this earth more good than any of, anyone else. Jesus was the most heavenly minded person who ever walked the face of the earth. Look what he did. Okay, if you have disappointment on you, I want to do this. Do you, if you have disappointment on you that's working on you, discouragement, rejection, feeling left out, feeling like, feeling rejected, if you have that in your life, raise your hand. Just raise your hand. You've got that in your life. Okay, that's important right there because those are all things that you feel when you're in that. That's how I struggle with that stuff so much. I felt so left out and so rejected. God wants to heal you right now. God wants to make things right for you because I'm going to tell you, you are not left out and you are not rejected. You're not rejected. You're not left out. Lord, I just pray against all that discouragement and all that despair. I pray against the feeling of being left out, the feeling of being ignored, the feeling like I don't have something in front of me. All right, here's one more thing. This is important. If you feel like you've made some decisions because of losing your future and hope, if you feel like you've made some decisions that took you off the path of life, somewhat or a lot. If that's you, raise your hand. Just raise your hand. God wants to get you back on His path. You know what happened to me? I want to tell you, this is important. When I had that encounter with the Lord, I was standing before God, Abba, Father. And I was like a little boy. And I was telling Him how sorry I was about how much I had failed and all this. And you know what He said to me? He said one thing to me. Okay, what do you want to do now? What do you want to do now? And when he said that, it was like I was instantly healed. Because he was saying, it's okay, Byron. I'm good. What do you want to do? We'll do what you want to do. 
If you, let's go together. Let's go do something together. That's all he was saying. Let's go do something together now. You can let go of all that, whether you did good or whether you did bad. I'm not holding that against you. I love you. You're my son. I'm, I'm out for your good. I want to get you there. I want to take you. And I walked. The last thing I saw in that moment is I saw me and God walking into the woods hand in hand. Off to this adventure. Whatever it was at that moment, I had no clue. And that's what he's saying. All he's saying is, I will take you by the hand right now. Just get to say, I want back on the path, Lord. I want to go on now, Lord. I want to go on with you. I know you have something for me. That's, that's what he wants to do for everybody. That's what he wants to do for the whole world. And that's what he does because he's a father. And that's what we do because we're children. When I was a little boy... I'm going to finish here. I know I'm going a little bit here, but this is important. I can remember as a little boy, I was probably four years old. This is a clear memory in my mind that has stuck with me all my life. Walking with my daddy on Main Street in Rockingham, North Carolina, and there's all these cars, and we were crossing the street. And I can just remember the feel of my daddy's hand on my hand. I didn't give a rip about any car. I was happy-go-lucky cross. I wasn't worried about getting run over because I knew my daddy was going to get me across that street. And I'll never forget it. For the, I'll go to my grave remembering. I can still feel my daddy's hand in my hand and his hand. It's one of the most secure feelings ever. And I want to tell you something. That's what God wants to do for you. There's a lot of traffic right now. Right? We got to get somewhere. We've got to get to the other side of the road here, but it seems impossible to get there. But he can walk us across that road and get you to the other side safe. All we had to do is put our hands in his hands. That's all he's asking. He's just saying, just do it and let, let go of your past. Just let it go. Let it go. Just say, Lord, I let go. I let go, Lord. All right, well, thank you for coming this morning. You know, and God bless you, and we love you. And um, I'm just going to go ahead and let you be dismissed. I, if somebody wants prayer, you, we'll have a couple of people over here praying for you especially. But other than, other than that, just, you know, thanks for coming.